Well, we welcome you back to Worldview Matters. I'm Ross, and I have with me my co-host, Bob. Bob, good to be back with you. Hope you've had a great start to 2013. Looking forward to a great year. We'd like to discuss that in light of Bible prophecy. Ross, it's always good to be back with you, and I am excited about the turn of the year. There's something about when the calendar flips over that always gives me hope. I know that we live in troubled times. There's lots of lots of challenges facing us individually and as a nation. I know we just averted the fiscal cliff because of the actions of Congress. Who knows if we'll be able to continue to avert that, but the, the things you and I are going to be talking about these next uh, these next several shows really have got me stoked because we're going to be looking at the first and second advent of Christ and all the prophecies that were fulfilled in the first advent and hopefully and you know predictably will be fulfilled also in the second coming of Christ as well. It's interesting that you tie the fiscal cliff in with. Christ coming. Maybe you could help me make that connection a little better here. Well, you know, it's interesting. One of the in the book of Revelation, which is the uh, the basically the book is called the Revelation or the unveiling of Christ. One of the seals that gets broken early on in that prophetic unfolding of the times at the end of the world. One of those seals really uh, harkens to a time of great catastrophic financial meltdown. Now, I'm not saying that the fiscal cliff that this country is facing is a worldwide financial meltdown, although I've heard you say many times when when the America economy sneezes, the world gets a cold. I know there are other economies that are emerging now that are very strong and robust, but boy, there could be something about the economic problems that we may be headed for and the signs of the end times. Interesting that you mentioned that. Um, one of our sister shows, Just Talking It Up, there would be a discussion about that on the show that's parallel to this one. And that just, just took place a short time ago. But it is interesting that we're seeing some some fairly diverse and volatile situations happening in the world, and especially in the United States, and the economic issues are part of it. It's interesting that it's tied in with the prediction of, or not just the prediction of, uh, based on the st- the things in the Old Testament that came true in as Christ was born. It is not just a prediction. It is a statement of fact as to what is going to happen. And I think that's one of the things we want to talk about today is the statistical probability of the things that were mentioned in old, the Old Testament coming true if God were not in control. And, you know, he, he is in control. You and I both have not been made, have not made any apologies to the fact that in the worldview marketplace, our particular worldview is Christian theism. Uh, we believe that there is a good God who's behind the events of the world, who is above history, above all the events of history, including the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. And you're exactly right in talking about the fact that the probability of one person fulfilling all of the Old Testament prophecies about the Jewish Messiah is so astronomical, it really defies logic. It has to be true for these things to be uh, to be true of, the, of Jesus of Nazareth. 
You know, it's interesting because if you if very intellectual people out there, and I, hopefully there's some intellectual people listening to us. How do the intellectual people listen to non-intellectual people? We're not certain about that, but the statistical relevance of the fulfillment of that prophecy in the Old Testament is quite significant. Not only is it significant within itself, but it also says if that is true, then the statistical view or relevance of the prophecies made relative to Christ's second coming are even more important, and certainly these are the things to come. We look at the past to, to see how accurate Scripture was in telling us what was going to happen, and it did happen. But we also look to it to say what is going to happen, because we're sitting here in a morass wondering how does this affect our future? What is going to happen? And so what you're saying and what we're saying also is that uh, we can we can take heart in the fact that God is in control. And he's told us what's going to happen. And these are exciting days we live in, uh, whether or not we're actually living in the time of the end or not. I'm excited about these next several shows we're going to do because we're going to be exploring Old Testament prophecies about Christ's first coming and then prophecies about his second coming that have not yet been fulfilled. And yet, Ross, we're going to see that many of those prophecies about his second coming, someone seems to have punched the timer. And because many of the things about his second coming seem to be coming true. But I wonder just if we couldn't back up a little bit, Ross, just maybe if uh, someone's hearing our show for the first time, we, we believe that worldview, how we look at the world, how we look at the end of history. All of these things are incredibly important. Uh, worldview is sort of the philosophical lens uh, that all of us have. And we all have a worldview how we see the world, how we think the world is going to turn out for us. Uh, that's true. And uh, I, I think one of the things we want to do is to let people know what we're going to be talking about. But the issue of worldview is so critical. And this is the focus of what we talk about. We will discuss many issues, current events related to biblical scripture and predictions uh, that, that came out of scripture. But how we look at life and how we look at every aspect of life has to do with the worldview or the lens through which we look at this world. And so we want to constantly be reminding people that this is the focal point of what we talk about. And we look at this world through a Christian lens. There's no doubt about that. We're unapologetic about that particular position that we take. And one of the things we're going to be talking about today, Ross, and in the next few shows, uh, I really have to do about what's going on in history. What's ha happening in, uh, in our current day? What happened in the days before us? And how might the world to an end. It's one of the eight questions we've been talking about, and I think it's important for us to keep reminding ourselves and everybody else who's listening to us that none of us were here when the world began. Nobody was around millions or perhaps billions of years ago, depending on what particular worldview you take. And so we have to apply forensic science to look at what's going on around us. We've got to reconstruct from the evidence that we see that we have available to us, what is this world about? What, how is it formed? What view should we have of mankind 
within history. And as you know, we talked about this before, that in Western civilization, there seem to be two predominant worldviews. Some would argue there's a third with the New Age movement, but the two big worldviews of most Americans are either a some form of theism, uh, either a Christian theism, a Jewish theism, or an Islamic theism, the view that God created the world, or there is a naturalism, the idea that the world wasn't created, it just happened. And both of these worldviews really require a position of faith. Uh, they're really both religions, since nobody can go back and reconstruct what happened. We've got to trust in the evidence that's before us and then figure out what kind of a world we live in based on the evidence or the the uh, uh, the apologetics, if you will, that's what we talk about several times, about what's going on around us. It's interesting that you talk about faith related to naturalism. There was a book written some few years ago, and I can't remember the exact title, but in essence it said, I don't have enough faith to not believe in Christ. In other words, to, to believe in naturalism, to believe in something just happening without a creator is requires significant more faith than it does to believe in a creator having created. Well, uh, I think you're, making, you're making a great point there that we have to trust in something or someone that we can't see currently. We either trust in matter which is really what the naturalist trusts in. He believes that matter is eternal, whereas theists believe that God, who is above the natural world, that God's eternal. And neither one of these things can we point to and say that's true unequivocally. There is an element of faith that we have to have. You're exactly right. Well, the question is which takes more, but uh, I'd like to go back to what you had taking us back to earlier to, to, to talk about the Advent season and some of the predictions and or statements in the Old Testament and how they came true. Uh, we want to let our listeners know that we're going to go and talk about, hey, how's this world going to come to an end? When's it going to come to an end? What are the signs that tell us where we are relative to when this is going to happen or what's going to happen? Will we know the time? So those are questions we're going to be dealing with. But let's go back to what you said earlier, Bob, about looking at the, how Christ fulfilled the prophecy of the Old Testament. Well, to kind of run up on this, Ross, you know, going back to the thing about, about faith and evidence, there's really two broad categories of evidence that the Scripture gives us as it relates to worldview. One is called general revelation. It's the idea that God made the world, and there's order in the world, and there's an eternal, internal moral compass in every person. But then there's this idea of special revelation. It's the idea that God has spoken, and He's spoken to His people, the Jews, in the Old Testament. He gave all of these prophecies of this coming Messiah. Ross, there were over 300 specific references to the Jewish Messiah listed in the Old Testament. Now, some of these are repeats of other ones similar to them, but there were over 60 major prophecies. I mean, specific things, such as the, that he was going to be born of a virgin, 
that there, he was going to be born in Bethlehem. Of course, neither one of those things did Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth or any Messiah have any control over. Uh, they talked about the gifts of the Magi, that Herod was going to kill the innocents, et cetera, et cetera. Over 60 major prophecies about this Messiah. And when Jesus showed up on the scene in 3 B.C. or 1 A.D., depending on which calendar you're referring to, uh, he claimed during his public ministry, he claimed to be that Jewish Messiah. But it was more than just his claims, Ross. He literally, the person of Jesus of Nazareth, fulfilled every one of those Jewish Old Testament Jewish prophecies. Well, which is an indication of the probable fulfillment of the others that relate to Christ's second coming. But it's interesting that you you mentioned the, the specific things for which the Christmas season um, we we talk about the virgin birth, born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the three the gifts of the Magi, the Magi, the three different ones, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I heard Greg Laurie speak uh, just last night on on this, that, that gold indicates God's, uh, the kingly status of Christ. And uh, the, the frankincense uh, indicates uh, his, um, the essence of his being during his life. And myrrh has to do with, an, it's an embalming fluid. So it really, the, the significance of those three gifts should not be overlooked. They weren't just three things that that, that they got off the shelf to bring to him, but they relate to this prophecy also. Very oh, you're specific. exactly right. You're exactly right, and they were very symbolic of his entire life. In fact, if we go back and look at it, we don't have time to give all the, all the specific references. However, we could urge our listeners, if they want to, if they're interested in the Scripture references related to these prophecies, just send us an email. We'll be glad to provide that for them. But it's interesting that, that those gifts did indeed sort of provide an overview of the entire span of Christ's life, as did the prophecies. They weren't just about his birth. They were about the fact that he was going to be in the, have a prophetic office. He was going to be foretold by uh, a forerunner who John the Baptist claimed to be and pointed to Christ as the Messiah. There were going to be miracles accompanying him. Uh, he was going to be betrayed by a friend. He was going to be sold for 30 pieces of silver, forsaken by his disciples. It even, it even prophesied Ross the type of death by Roman crucifixion that he was going to die. This was before the Romans were even formed as a nation. He was going to be crucified with thieves. His garments were going to be uh, cast lots for. He was going to suffer extreme thirst. You get the idea. On and on, over 60 major prophecies, most of which Christ had no uh, no ability to fulfill those by his own choice. And the probabilities of that happening, Ross, are, are just astounding. Just astounding. What do you see that to saying to us today? Well, I think, I think, first of all, it says that because the probabilities of his first appearance and of Jesus being the advent of the Messiah when he, comes, when he came the first time, I think what it does is it gives, it gives tremendous credibility for all the prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled or the ones that we're seeing fulfilled around us every day, such as 
the Jews going back into the land of Palestine, which happened, you know, in about 1948. That's a, an amazing prophecy that after almost 19 centuries, Ezekiel said they would indeed be formed back in the land again. That's never happened in the table of nations, ever. The, the odds of that happening are astronomical also. Well, tell me then, um, do you? how does this fit today into our life today? What's the, what relevance should we, should we give to that? How does it, uh, you know, the fiscal cliff, the gun control, the uh, socialism direction of our nation, can you tie these things together? Are they separate? How do we... I, I, I think we can, Ross. I think that one thing that the scriptures predict about the time of the end, and again, let's you and I be careful here. We're not predicting a specific date for the return of Christ, but the Lord himself said uh, before his crucifixion that there would be signs that we should see happening uh, in, in, the, in the culture around us, in the world around us, that when we see these things begin to happen, that those should be a uh, kind of a wake-up call, an alarm bell, a warning bell, if you will, that we need to be looking around us because the signs are taking place of his second coming. But, you know, Ross, before we talk about his second coming, I, I really do want to explore with our, lead, our listeners because many of them are people like I was at one time and, peop- and, and maybe like you were at one time where we're going, okay, I'm a little skeptical about this. I've seen a lot of the, uh, some of the, um, the, the evidence of people who call themselves Christians. They don't always live the kind of Christian life the Scripture seems to tell us to live. And so uh, prove it to me, if you will. And even though we can't prove it categorically, we can't prove it mathematically, we can't prove it scientifically, I think that the mathematical probabilities of these prophecies being fulfilled the first time and therefore the second time are worth mentioning. I think we can talk about those today. Well, they we, we certainly can talk about them. I know there have been significant numbers of predictions made on the the second coming of Christ. Uh, I go back to the mid, I know it's probably 75, 76. There was a book written called The Late Great Planet Earth. And this was a prediction by, and I can't remember the guy's name who wrote that, but uh, he, Hal, uh, I think. Pardon? Hal Lindsey was his Hal name. Lindsey, correct. Late Great Planet, Planet Earth. And I think he wrote another one, but where there was a pretty dire predictions about what was going to happen. And of course, none of that came about. I think that what we what we need to be careful of, we can talk about the signs of what's going to happen, but the timing of it is probably something we should t- stay away from, because even Peter thought he was living in, quote, the last days. And if you look at God's time frame, the last days could be 15 minutes or two years or two weeks, or it could be millions of years, who knows? But So we want to be careful about that. But. Well, I think that's a good reminder. In fact, uh, I think the, the whole New Testament, if you read it uh, with, uh, with the idea of the, of the end times in place, the whole span of what the Scriptures call the times of the Gentiles really are this last age. And, of course, we now know that that's lasted 2,000 years. Nonetheless, 
there is going to be a period right at the end of the times of the Gentiles when we see all these prophecies made about the return of Christ. We see them sort of happening almost in rapid fire. You know, Ross, going back to the thing about the Old Testament prophecies and the law of ability, there was a guy by the name of Peter Stoner talking about guys that wrote back in the 70s. Peter Stoner wrote a book called Science Speaks, and he, he was a mathematician as well as being a theologian. And he, he, did the, he did the math, if you will, on the odds of just eight of the prophecies in the Old Testament being fulfilled in the life of any one person, whether that be Jesus of Nazareth or Mahatma Gandhi or John Kennedy or whoever. Of course, we know now that over 60 of these were fulfilled by Christ. And really, nobody but Christ has fulfilled even eight of these prophecies. Okay, so you're talking about eight. You said, uh, let's go back of the 60, virgin birth, born in Bethlehem, gifts of the Magi, uh, Herod, any of the other four that that make up this eight, or do you recall those or not? Oh, yeah. If you talk about his resurrection, the prophecy that he was going to ascend into heaven after his death. But if you just take eight of those, and we've mentioned more than eight of those already on this show, Mm -hmm. but the probability of just eight prophecies, not 60, but just eight prophecies, certainly not 300, but just eight prophecies, the law of probability is one in 10 to the 17th power which is 10 with 17 zeros after it. That's a huge number. A huge uh, now that's, that's interesting because if we look, every year there are people on all phases, in all phases of our life who make predictions about the coming year. Who's going to win the NCAA basketball game? Who's going to, what the stock market will do over the next uh, year? Da 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 da, and then we look back and we see that hey, he he was a great predictor. He predicted sixty two percent of what what sixty two percent of what he said came true in some sort of way, and we say hey, that's pretty good, sixty two percent. But what you're saying is that these predictions they basically all came true, and that the probability, yeah, one hundred percent. And, you know, we just came through kind of a, I know everybody was, some people were joking about it, about, I know the Jello people were joking about December the 21st when supposedly the Mayan calendar predicted the end of the world. And of course, now we know that didn't happen. We're still here, you know, three weeks later. But of these prophecies, all 300 came true in the life of one person. In order to kind of get your arms around what that number, and we're here now talking about eight, not 300. The odds of that number, one in 10 to the 17. Now, a good friend of mine one time said that would be the equivalent. You know, if you're going to, if you put 10, uh, 10, uh, nine white stones and one black stone in a, in a bowl and ask someone to pull out the black stone, if they got it the very first time, Ross, that would be one, their chances of getting it would be one in 10. You get the idea there. Right. Right. One in 10 to the 17 would be the equivalent of taking a bowl the size of Texas and filling it up with rocks about one inch in diameter and then filling it up two feet high and giving putting one black rock and all of those white rocks 
and you gave one person one chance to pick the black rock his very first try, that would be the same odds of just eight of these prophecies being fulfilled. Wow, that's a, that's a much better example than what I was going to say. One times 10 to the 17th power, a $16 trillion debt is, is 16 times 10 to the 12th power is $16 trillion. Right. And 10 to the 17th power is this probability that you're talking about. I know we're just about out of time on this show, but I've got to give you one more illustration. Because it's more than just eight prophecies, Ross. It's 300. And at some point, the numbers get beyond our human ability to get our arms around them. For example, if you just pick 48 prophecies... Not 60, not 300, but 48 prophecies. That number increases to the 157th power. That's 10 with 157 zeros after it. To give you an idea of how big that number is, Ross, and I'm going to use your national debt number to help us get our arms around this. If you and I were able to count that number, counting 250 numbers per minute. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You get the idea. Mm-hmm. It would take us, it would take us, are you sitting down? Mm-hmm. 6,859,000,000 years to count that number. Well, you're right. We can't get our, we can't get our arms around that <laughs> or lock our mind around it. Let's say that, there's a summary of what we've said over the past 30 minutes, and that we'll we'll make this be the forerunner of a, the following show. But what we're saying is that there is significant prophecy in the Old Testament that has come true 100% in terms of Christ's birth. Now, there is significant prophecy that remains relative to his second coming. And we have shown the probability of this prophecy coming true in total to give the significance or relevance of that prophecy in terms of what's happened as a launch point to say, if that happened, look at the probability of prophecy about the second coming of Christ coming true. And that's where we're going with this discussion over the next few shows. Thanks, Bob, for such a a great base for all of us to build off of and and a great way of looking at this. We hope that you folks out there will come and talk with us or listen with us again. Uh, Give us some thoughts about what you're interested in. Give us some thoughts about our show, and we look forward to being with you again. Thanks, Bob. Always great to be with you, Ross. Happy New Year. This has been Worldview Matters, brought to you by Big Brains Media. To leave feedback for Ross or Bob, visit us at www.bigbrainsmedia.com.